Welcome to Talkin' Truth with comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy, and Pastor Brian Clark. Today they welcome their guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. Dan, what you said earlier about how you approach your stage show now is a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. You're not avoiding certain jokes because you're afraid of being canceled or because of a response from the woke mob or whatever it is. Your concern, first and foremost, is about loving God, pleasing Jesus because he loves you, and you're trying to have a positive impact on the people who are in your sphere of influence. That's the difference. Absolutely. it doesn't happen overnight. You get sanctified from the inside out. And I'll be honest with you, you're going to be sanctified until you die. That's when you're finally done. That's when you're... That's it. That's it. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life and having a little fun. Get her done. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Dan Whitney, and you might know me as Larry the Cable Guy. I've been around a long time. Uh, but I'm doing a podcast, Talking Truth, with my buddy Brian Clark, who is an awesome pastor and educator on the Bible. And Nat is with us. Come on, this better be us. good. This better be good. Nat, Come on, build me up. Let's go. Nat is with us. Nat, I've known for many years. Nat and I were on the USA bobsled team together. Do you remember that? In the early 80s. <laughs> Those were good days. A lot days. of people don't know that. But Matt, now look at that. <laughs> Nat Crawford. And I went by, uh, I went cool by Jerry Penguin was my name back then. I had a cool name, Jerry Penguin. But anyway, listen, the podcast is called Talking Truth. I'm a very flawed follower of Christ, but I believe that Jesus is my Savior. He is my hope. And this is, I wanted to do this podcast for people that always go on my websites and stuff. And we're living in a time where a lot of people are hurting. A lot of people need hope. And a lot of people think, I've, I've tried Christianity, and they said, ah, it's nothing but a bunch of rules, just like all that. But, but this isn't about a religion. There's no rules in real Christianity. It's follow Jesus Christ the best that you can. Read his word every day. Do something. Stay engaged with him and watch your life change. It's, it's about giving yourself hope, and, and that's what we want to do. But we're, we're on a thing called Unwavering Faith. Brian's message today is a family disaster. And just what we're going to do is Brian's going to give us a little message, going to talk a little bit about Jacob and his family, and then Nat and I will chime in, and we'll try to make this as interesting as possible. But the whole point of this is to let you know that there's hope out there. Don't believe the hype and all the all the people that talk bad about Christianity because you're getting a skewed view of it from some really bad TV preachers, some uh, really bad preachers that just want your money, and other people that don't even read the Bible and tell you what they know what Christianity is. But we know, we're know we going to tell you what real Christianity is. And we're talking truth, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> and that's right. I tried to do this whole thing without an accent, but here it came. <laughs> By golly. Get it in. All right, Brian. Get mm-hmm. it in. Here we go. All right. All right, so what happens when we disobey God, but no one else seems to know? I mean, do we get struck by lightning? Do we wake up in the morning with leprosy? Do all our teeth fall out? I mean, then what? It's easy to misinterpret God's patience and mercy as being okay with our sin. I mean, like, so what's the big deal? Uh, Brian, I hate to interrupt you, but the thing that freaks me out about this is I actually had two teeth fall out. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what that means. So listen up. Right? <laughs> exactly my point. It would be easy to start thinking that way about Jacob. 
I mean, for all the boneheaded decisions he's made through his lifetime, he seems to be coming out of it in pretty good shape. You know, no harm, no foul, right? If you're thinking that, you need to pay careful attention to our story today from Genesis 34. God told Jacob to go home and settle around Bethel, but he disobeys and he goes north to settle around Shechem. One day, Jacob's daughter decides to go visit the city of Shechem, which in that day was extremely dangerous for a young 15-year-old girl. Each of these walled cities were ruled by a king, and the king was the law. In this case, the king's son was named Shechem, and he took Dinah and he violated her. Sadly, in the ancient world, this was not uncommon. I mean, he's the king's son. What's anybody going to do about it? When Jacob hears his daughter has been raped by the king's son, he responds in a very passive fashion. He does nothing. However, her brothers were very angry. The text keeps referring to Jacob's daughter and Jacob's sons. There's a reminder that while Jacob takes a passive role and slips into the background, it's still the Jacob story. It's about how years of fear and deceit have taken its toll on the character of his sons. It's about the price of living by fear more than faith. As odd as this is for us today, it was not so unusual that the king would ask for Dinah to be his son's wife since he had violated her. Dinah's brothers tell the king they would allow this only on the condition that the men of Shechem be circumcised. Well, the king agrees, but the text tells us the brothers are deceiving the king in order to get their revenge. What? The sons are lying and deceiving someone? Now, where would they have learned that? Of course, the answer is obvious. Between their dad, Jacob, and their uncle, Laban, deception had become a way of life. Whenever Jacob was in a crisis situation, he resorted to lying and deceiving, which is now how his sons handle this situation. The men of Shechem kept their end of the deal by getting circumcised. But when they are all but incapacitated physically, the brothers enter the city and they slaughter the people. They kill the king and his son and all the males in town. They took the women and the children and totally loot the town. What they did was not justice, it was evil. Hundreds of innocent people died for the behavior of the king's son. Jacob seemed to show no emotion when his daughter was violated or over the slaughter of hundreds of innocent people in Shechem. But now his anger was over the fact that he feared he would be blamed and killed. It was self-preservation. He was mad because of how it might affect him. Poor me, Jacob thought. One interesting note about this chapter is that God is nowhere mentioned in this chapter. He's mentioned at the end of chapter 33 and at the beginning of chapter 35 but nowhere in chapter 34. Jacob's sons had learned from him that when you have a crisis, you can't trust God. So you lie and you deceive and you do what you have to do to survive. His sons learned this lesson all too well. You know, it's easy to start to think that even though Jacob messed up so many times, it was all working out for him. Apparently, sin is not such a big deal after all, right? Well, this chapter reminds us that there is a big price tag for disobedience. We not only impact our own lives, but we influence those around us that we love the most. There is always a price tag for sin. Fear leads to sin, 
and sin always comes at a cost. We need to get serious about our sin. We need to be honest. Is there anything in your life right now that you know shouldn't be there? Anything you've justified or excused that needs to be dealt with before God? I mean, for your sake and those around you, let's get serious about sin before things get any worse. So let's bring in Dan and Nat. Let's talk about this. I mean, guys, God has been incredibly patient and merciful to Jacob. But this story reminds us that doesn't mean we should take sin lightly. I I don't know. This is probably one of those stories that reminds us that as Christians, we are saved by grace and also Christ makes a difference in our lives. Our salvation is not, as far as I understand it, a license to sin. I mean, is that right, Brian? Right, sure. Okay. So how does a person come to terms with that reality? Saved by grace, a free gift, right? But we're not bound by the laws. So how do you balance that out? Well, you don't go in and do something, go, well, you know, I'm forgiven. Jesus died, you forgave me. I ain't going to do this anyway because I'm already forgiven. I mean, that's a sin, knowing to do, knowing to do something uh, right and you don't do it or knowing to do something wrong and you do it anyway, knowing mm-hmm. that it's wrong. I mean, are you truly saved? I mean, there's things we do unconscious, subconsciously. Un, you, just You sin every day by doing, like, you'll talk about, hey, did you hear what happened to, you know, or talk bad about somebody, and you don't mm-hmm. even realize, oh, wait a minute, I shouldn't do that. Or, mm. You know, but it seems like to me that once you're saved and you're right, you're not bound by the law. You can't keep the law. There's no way. That's Mm -hmm. why Jesus died. Mm -hmm. You do your best to. And that's why I say the more you stay engaged with Jesus, the more that you begin to be convicted about things that you're doing and you Mm -hmm. stop doing certain things. Mm -hmm. It's like in my comedy act. Everything, I did anything. I didn't care. But then when I rededicated my life to Christ, there were certain things I didn't want to do anymore. I didn't find mm. it right. It's not appropriate. And there's certain th- jokes that I do that I'm sure some Christians were going, oh, what is he doing? I don't feel convicted about it. I felt convicted about that joke, but I don't really feel convicted about that one. And then two years later, all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm not doing that joke. I feel real. I shouldn't be doing that joke. At the time, I wasn't. Hmm. But you know what? I didn't know as much as I know now. Now I know even more, and I'm getting convicted even more. I've, I've been forgiven from it. I can't. There's no way I can keep the law. But it just seems like to me, Brian, am I wrong in this? But it seems like to me, the more that you stay in touch with Jesus, and and you've asked Him into your heart and He's your Savior and you study and you spend a little time with him every day and you get closer and closer, the more the Holy Spirit gets stronger inside of you and tells you, hey, I probably shouldn't be doing that. Probably shouldn't be doing that. You probably shouldn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I shouldn't say it doesn't mean that you're not saved because I'm sure that there's somebody, that, that there's people all over where you're about to tell a story and your little voice inside you goes, I wouldn't tell that because you don't know. You weren't there. But you want to fit in, so you tell the story. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean you're not saved. You are, no. but you know what I mean? I, yeah. You know, James talks about a faith that saves is a faith that works. works. Mm-hmm. So we're not saved by our works, but true saving faith, Does having work. the presence of Christ in us, we become a new creation in Christ. We're born again. 
We have the indwelling Holy Spirit, as Dan just said. All of that then changes us from the inside out, where Mm -hmm. my passion now is for righteousness. I want to walk pleasing to God. Right. And the more I I learn and grow and mature, the more true that's going to be. But I would say if, if someone can sin as a way of life and it doesn't bother them. Right. Then according to John and First John, there's good reason to think maybe they haven't really understood the gospel or they haven't Bingo. really that's trusted That's what I was Jesus. trying to say. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Yeah, oh, wow. No, well, that's what I was trying to say because yeah, no, right, I'll be though. honest with you. There's things that I do sometimes, and I'm like, I probably shouldn't have done that. You know, I probably shouldn't have told that joke. You know, there might have been a couple of unbelievers there, you know. But honestly, Brian Nett. I'm like beating myself up over it yeah. all night long. Yeah. I beat myself up. It's like, why did I, you know? And I just like, okay, Lord, I'm not doing that. I'm not telling that stupid joke. That was dumb. It's not, you know what I mean? And then uh, a month and a half later, hey, did you hear that joke about the guy? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And then, and I'm not kidding. And inside, nah, I probably shouldn't be, t- Dan's mm. probably not the right thing. But I tell, and then, the rest of the day, what am I, you idiot, you yeah. stupid, you know what I mean? I mean, the conviction of sin is a good thing. Oh, it yes. shows it that Jesus is in you, and you're learning and growing and changing. Hey, well, speaking of that, did you hear about the two guys? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I'm curious about this from your perspective. Does it matter what motivates you to not sin and to be obedient to God? In other words, I mean, there there is this tendency to avoid an action— because of the consequence yeah. versus, you know what, I probably shouldn't do this because it doesn't reflect who I am in Christ or my love of God. I mean, is there a difference? I think there is a difference. I think ultimately if our desire is for righteousness, then our desire is to do the right thing. It isn't about whether I get caught. It isn't about whether somebody finds out. Hmm. Because if it's all about the external pressures and what if I get caught and what if somebody finds out, there's always going to be scenarios where you think you can get away with it. Hmm. And that then really weakens your resistance to temptation. So whether I get away with it or not, or whether anybody finds out or not, really isn't the issue. The issue is I believe God's way is the right way. I think it's the way that leads to life. I think it's the way Hmm. that leads to the joy that my soul longs for. That's what I want. Hmm. So sometimes I blow it, and I don't do that. But the conviction, the misery that comes from that reflects the fact I don't want that. That's not really how I want to live anymore. Plus, it does have an effect on your body. I mean, you you freak out about it, you stress out about it, and it's bad for your heart. (laughs) (laughs) So, So what do you think? You asked the question. Well, I have no opinion. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> you no, yeah. no, I, I, no, absolutely. You know, you're exactly right. It was a bit of a softball. But I, I remember talking to you years ago over coffee at a restaurant, and I basically <laughs> said, is it better to be safe than sorry with our actions? Kind of an insurance salvation question, right? And, and you really challenged me in that moment. I think you basically said, well, you're asking the wrong question, right? Anything we're doing to add cushioning to our salvation, uh, add that salvation insurance, your motivation's all wrong. It's all about pleasing God out of love for God. Motivation really does matter. Consequences are real, for sure. We're all going to experience them for our our actions, uh, good reward, uh, et cetera. But 
it really comes down to our relationship with God, our value being found in God, and trusting God. And, and I think, Dan, what you said earlier about how you approach your stage show now is a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. You're not avoiding certain jokes because you're afraid of being canceled or because of a response from the woke mob right. or whatever it is. Your concern, first and foremost, is about loving God, pleasing Jesus because he loves you, right. and you're trying to have a positive impact on the people who are in your sphere of influence. Absolutely. That's the difference. Absolutely. And it doesn't happen overnight. You get sanctified from the inside out. And I'll be honest with you, you're going to be sanctified until you die. That's when you're finally done. That's when you're— That's it. That's it. You're going to be constantly getting sanctified all the way up till it's over for you, you know? Hmm. And I'm sure there's probably a few things that I do where some Christian people would probably go, can't believe you were telling Joe. But here's the deal. This is my relationship with Jesus, not your relationship hmm. with Jesus. I'm in a field that you're not in. We're all a part of the body of Christ. You're a thumb. I'm a hip. Whatever. You you concentrate on your relationship you stay close to Jesus and let that person concentrate on his relationship with what he does. His purpose, what he does in the body, is not the same thing that you're doing in the body. Mm. But we're all a part of the whole body, but we each have different functions. Mm. And we're all being sanctified from the inside out. You're not perfect at what you're doing, and I'm not perfect at what I'm doing, but we're all trying to get there. But when you're doing something and you're saved and you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing, and you know for a fact you're not supposed to be doing, it's going to haunt you, and it's going it, to stay on your mind and you're not going to be able to sleep sometimes at night until you get that final prayer in. Oh, I promise I'm never doing that. Mm. <laughs> you know, Lord, I'm so sorry. I prom You know what I mean? And then you go back and you stay engaged and you keep working on mm. everything you need to work on. But if you do that and you stay engaged and really want to stay engaged and love Jesus, you're going to get better and better. You know, at the core of this story, then, is Jacob's way of life and how it impacted his family so his sons learned from him. And so, you know, I've, as a preacher, I've often said, you know, you can pretend to be super Christian at church. That isn't really very hard, but it's who you are at home. That's who you are. And I can't tell you, for example, like how many conversations I've had with boys who have walked into a room and found their dad on the computer watching things he shouldn't be watching, and he kind mm. of minimizes that. But at some point, that's going to have an impact. Uh, but there's a reality that you're teaching your children something. So when that plays out, and then it's a disaster, it's like... Sin has consequences, Absolutely. not just for me, but mm. for the people around me. And mm -hmm. you can't go back and undo those moments. Mm -hmm. So it's like we got to take that seriously because we're teaching our kids what we believe about God and what we believe matters. Mm. And there's there's going to be great benefit or great cost depending on the choices we're making. So I'm curious. I mean, there's got to be some people listening online today who are hearing this and thinking, oh, boy, I've screwed it up. Is there hope for them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't go back and change the past. There's no point wasting a bunch of energy on that. 
But you can make better decisions moving forward. But this kind of goes back to this theme we have about knowing the truth, understanding it, living it, growing in your walk with Jesus. I mean, you can't just decide to change. It's going to have to be the power of Christ in you, and and you have to take that seriously. Absolutely. And, and again, so happy these stories are in the Bible because Jacob's just like, I mean, so many of us are just like him. You were like him. Nat was like him. We've all been True. like him. Man, he's uh, he's on the Mount Rushmore. He is on the Mount Rushmore, which gives me hope and give, should give you hope that no matter how bad you screwed it up, there's always hope for you and you can always start over and start again. I'm just glad that when I met my wife, uh, her dad didn't make uh, me and all the groomsmen get circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That would be that'd be a game over, wouldn't it? Even though I already was, mm. but still. You know what I mean? You can get rebaptized, but re-circumcised? <laughs> can you imagine that? That's nowadays? an ugly sight. I don't even want to think about it. You know, I thought in that moment you were going to say something really profound. I, I didn't see that one I coming. think it's kind of profound, Brian. I All don't right. care how you define yeah, it. Yeah, good. Thanks for listening to Talkin' Truth. Dan, Brian, and their guest, Pastor Nat Crawford, will be back again next week to continue their study in Genesis. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with your friends. And we'd love to hear from you at talkandtruth.com. That's talk, the letter N, truth.com. Visit us today.